What's going on, Sunbelt fans? My name is Dominic Crescetto, the host of the Sunbelt Syndicate podcast. We are going to jump right into the Myrtle Beach Bowl. So this one's happening Monday, December 19th, ESPN, 2.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Again, this one's down there. It's technically in Conway, but they're calling it the Myrtle Beach Bowl. We've got 8-4 and four Marshall going up against 6-6 six and six UConn. Marshall favored by 10.5 points. Uh, going right into this one again, they did not have any common opponents throughout the season. I thought there might be an outside chance of that because UConn, uh, as an independent, can schedule kind of weirdly. And I thought might be uh, one common opponent that wasn't ringing off the top of my head. And uh, I thought maybe there was an outside chance they had both played Army, but obviously Marshall did not. Uh, so let's get right into you know who to focus on for each team to start off with. Obviously. Starting the season out, you had Henry Columbia at the QB position, but he's gotten injured and Cam Fancher has come in. And although Fancher started a little bit as more of really just a scrambling QB to me, didn't seem to even try and pass all that much really early when he got those starts. He's really come into his own and really rounded his game out very well. Obviously, with how they ended the season, um, you know, he's just playing a whole lot better. I'm, I'm a lot more impressed with him than I was when I first saw him. I thought, you know, he's just a runner. He can't throw real well, but he's really switched that around. Now, we do have to note, saying that, he still has only eight touchdowns to five interceptions. So, this, it's still not a great ratio. But as far as the eye test is concerned, I'm, you know, I, I have a pretty good trust in Fancher as Marshall's quarterback for this one. Uh, as far as the running back position, no surprise here. Curran Labrum just crushing it over 1,400 yards on the season. 5.1 average, 16 total touchdowns. I mean, just far and away the best running back that we've seen in the Sun Belt this year. Uh, I, I would say true stereotypical running back Frank Gore Jr. who we just saw for those of you that watch the Southern Miss uh, game he might be the best well-rounded player in the country not just in the Sun Belt so you know take out that it, it, you're just looking for an every down back who's only going to run the ball this guy may be the guy right here uh, Fancher again he's going to run too so he's kind of that secondary running back uh as far as statistics go, but obviously Rasheen Ali has now returned as well. And we know after watching last season and a couple uh, Marshall fans are going to tell you that this guy was thought to be the best running back coming into the season. Uh, he had some off field stuff. He's taken some time away for and glad to see that he's back on the team and participating. And you're not going to find any statistics that are going to impress you at all because but bottom line, he's only played like two games uh, all season. And he was the leading rusher in the last two games, to, to, to note that. But, uh, yeah, just getting a little bit of time here at the end of the year. So maybe you're going to see Labron and Ali both go if they do. No one at the running back position is going to get tired all day because they're going to have a lot of success in that regard. As far as wide receivers go, obviously Corey Gamage, over 700 yards, five touchdowns on the season. He is their go-to wide receiver. There is no doubt about that. But throwing one out there, uh, Talik Keaton is you know that smaller, shiftier guy. Uh, and he's, he's sneaky. So I would say you might want to watch out for him in a bowl game like this to get wide open on a random, uh, 
you know, missed assignment or something. You know, he's just one of those guys that uh, he's fun to watch when he has the ball in his hands in open space. As far as the kicking game goes, well, this has kind of been Marshall's questionable slash downfall over the last few years, really. Uh, they've got a kicker that missed a couple extra points, and now they've seemingly shared that responsibility here at the end. Um, but again, 13 for 20 as far as field goals for the year. Not great. One of the worst in the Sun Belt as far as kick accuracy goes. Uh, it looked like the biggest struggle is that 30 to 39 yard range. Um, well, I, you know, anything over 30, I would say. You go, go from 30 to 50. Um, they, they haven't gone great with anything longer than extra points. And again, extra points weren't all that great either. So hopefully it does not come down to the kicking game for Marshall in this one. But if it comes down to defense, which we'll cover next, they're going to be fine. Eli Neal, 42 solo tackles, 88 total on the year with three sacks and an interception to go along with it. He is the mainstay at the linebacker position. They've also got Abram Boplan, who has been on fire here towards the end of the season. Also keep an eye out for Owen Porter. He's a defensive lineman. Nine and a half sacks on the season, also with an interception. So this is a guy that you're going to look at against a team like UConn, who's not that strong on the offensive line side of things. Porter could have a big game in this one. And then as far as the secondary is concerned, no surprise here, Stephen Gilmore. Yes, for those of you that are unfamiliar, he is the younger brother of the Gilmore that was in the NFL. He's got three interceptions on the season, seven pass breakups. Again, they're not going to probably try and throw to him. If UConn's smart, they won't look that way. So he might not end up on the stat sheet too much, but there's going to be a reason for that. It's obviously because he's one of the best assignment uh, defensive backs in the country. Jumping over to the other side of the ball with UConn, their quarterback is Zion Turner. And he's got 1,200 yards, just over 1,200 yards on the season. Uh, but again, the ratio here is not great either. Nine touchdowns, but seven interceptions. So, And he's only really even attempted 230 passes. So we know that that means that this guy's a rusher and their whole offense is based around their running attack. So let's jump right into the running attack because Zion Turner is not going to burn you with his arm. Uh, I'm going to skip over that because I just didn't see much of anything that really impressed me. Even when he got some success downfield, it was more of his wide receivers making uh, really good adjustments on some balls that were not thrown real great. So he's not a threat there, honestly. He's going to be more of a threat on the ground, and he's still not a massive threat there. He's more of a game manager, uh, short dink and dunks, hope their guys are open in space and they can gain some yardage there. But mainly this is a running attack team. It's not triple option, but they are going to try and run the ball. Their number one running back without a doubt is Victor Rosa, 561 yards on the year. Now we'll get into why there's not that many, uh, but nine touchdowns. And again, when you watch him compared to the other backs on this team, it's obvious why he's the number one guy. It's the style of which he runs and the fact that he's just a little uh, shiftier and quicker in those twitch, quick twitch movements uh, to get open and to make use of that space a little bit better. But we'll also name a couple of the other guys you want to watch out for. Devontae Houston, 538 yards, so not very far behind him as far as yardage is concerned, but only three touchdowns. So again, Rosa's breaking these bigger, longer runs. 
and he's getting it more towards the goal line. But Houston's going to see the ball too. He's the one you're going to notice. He's carrying the ball up a lot higher. Um, Rosa carries it as your prototypical running back so that he can switch from side to side. Houston's going to carry that thing up high, closer to the uh, shoulder, breast area. Uh, and it's a, you know, not very many people continue to carry the ball that style, but it's obvious when he's carrying the ball versus Rosa. So easy to see there. And then there's going to be some other running backs you're going to see as well. They've got Carter and Burns who are going to carry the ball. And again, Turner, the quarterback, uh, he's not going to carry it a lot, only 237 yards total on the season, but he can do it and will in some short yardage stuff. So as far as the receivers go, they have another Turner on the team, Aaron Turner, and their number one wide out. Only 462 yards on the year, three touchdowns to go along with that. Again, this is not really a passing team. It's not a passing attack that Marshall's going to have to fear. If you can shut down the run and force them into passing situations, I think Marshall's going to be even more successful because they're going to be able to quell that as well. But I will throw out one more guy to kind of take take a look at, keep an eye on, Justin Jolly, the tight end. Only 17 receptions on the year, but he's got a long of 62 and two touchdowns. So kind of a guy that you probably aren't going to see a lot of offense from, but when you see him, he may come for the big play because it's unsuspecting, right? They're going to be a lot of uh, pass or uh, run blocking schemes, and then he sneaks out all of a sudden, and it's a guy you haven't been having to cover a lot throughout the game, and all of a sudden he's you know 10 yards, no one's around him. So that's a position of theirs to keep an eye on that they could go to to kind of beat you downfield when you're least expecting it. As far as the kicking game goes, a lot more stable here for UConn. Only three missed field goals all season and seven for seven in that short yard range. Uh, get outside of that 30 yards, yeah, maybe a little questionable, but he's got a 54-yarder on the season. So again, comes down to the kicking game. That's probably going to favor UConn. Hopefully that doesn't happen. As far as defensively, you're looking at Jackson Mitchell, the linebacker. This guy's got 133 total tackles, four and a half sacks, and an interception on the year, as well as some fumbles forced. Uh, So this is their best player defensively he will be very noticeable for them as far as the other linebackers yeah they're gonna be out there but i'm not gonna focus on them here's the other guy you're gonna want to look out for is going to be trey wortham uh he is back there and only 38 tackles on the year but he's got four interceptions so if you are gonna go deep you know you're looking for damage or somebody downfield He's the guy you're going to kind of keep away from and uh, try not to go towards too often because he is a ball hawk. As far as other things of note in this game, statistically, just about everything favors Marshall. But again, that's got a lot to do with how UConn schedules games. Uh, If you go and look, they've had a couple Power 5 opponents this year. Uh, Two of those teams were ranked when they played them. I believe both are still ranked now. Uh, Actually, Squash that. I don't think NC State is long any longer ranked in the top 25. But uh, regardless, they had a pretty strong schedule, but they had they did have some teams that were a little bit weaker in there. Again, we know that both teams are going to be run heavy, not going to be a whole lot of downfield stuff. Uh, they didn't have a wide receiver who had more than 70, 79 yards in any game this year. Yes, no wide receiver had more than 80 yards in any game. So 
Again, you're not going to have to worry about that as much of a threat. But if you're stopping their run game, maybe they start going to the air and forcing some things. Hopefully that is plays into Marshall's favor and they can take care of both those aspects there. As far as their running game, those for UConn, they do have some success in third and short. Again, when you're a power running team and you force it down there, that's where you're going to have some holes open up. Even towards the red zone, they didn't seem to struggle much in those third and one, third and two uh, plays from what I saw. But again, that's their bread and butter. They want to get into those third and short situations. If Marshall can force them into third and longs and they're forced to throw or try and run the ball for nine yards, they're not going to have a lot of success in that aspect. Now, as far as the other side of the ball for Marshall, we know that they're a power running team too, and a very, very good one because they have multiple guys who have done it in different ways. Uh, here's the best play that Marshall could have is establish that run early, which I expect them to be able to do, and then hit them with the play action because unlike the other side of the ball, UConn doesn't have wide receivers that could really hurt you. Marshall does. So you've got Gamage that could go downfield. You've got some other guys. Again, we talked about uh, Keaton, you know, there's a there's a number of guys on Marshall's wide receiving core that could hurt them. Again, game is going to be the focus one, but that should be a very good game plan for them. It's going to be an obvious game plan, obviously, to run the ball, but the play-action pass could be something that really hurts UConn. From what I saw in a lot of the offenses that they saw throughout the year, it had a lot of success because their linebackers start to cheat up a little bit when that ball snapped, reading that the the offense is going to continue to try and run the ball so if you can hit them just over those linebackers before that defensive backfield gets to you you know it's not even a strong defensive backfield in that regard so I think Marshall's going to have a equally as good passing game as they do a rushing game but again I I don't know if there's going to be a ton of downfield looks uh, because I think just the short uh, slants and screens could work in Marshall's favor in a game like this Let's get to the score prediction. I think this one is a bowl game. It's a decent drive for both fan bases, for both teams. Uh, well, it's a it's an airplane ride for UConn. But 10.5 points, I don't know. For a bowl game, it seems a little high for me. I know UConn's only 6-6, six and six, but they did have some good victories towards the end of the year. Uh, they got into a shootout with Liberty and won that one by scoring 36 points. So, again, this one... I don't know. I, I, I do think Marshall could win, especially after diving into this even further. I think they will win. I'm going to call Marshall victory 24, but I'm going to say UConn covers the spread there, and UConn comes away with 17 points. I think this is a good one to watch, especially 2.30 on a Monday. Hopefully uh, people get to tune in. I know a lot of us are working during those hours, but uh, you know, sneak some looks on your phone or uh, maybe you are already off for the holidays watching some kids at home and want to turn something on the TV. Check out the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Cheer on the Marshall Thundering Herd if you're a Sunbelt fan, and hopefully they can come away with the victory. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.